X-ray. Welcome to The Local, your daily dose of hometown news and democracy. I'm Emily Gilliland from Portland, Oregon, and it's Tuesday, June 22nd. Today, back in the day in 1986, Diego Maradona scored the Hand of God goal. Maradona led Argentina in that year's FIFA World Cup. Argentina was against England in the quarterfinals. By the end of the first half, the game was tied 0-0. After the ball flew up inside the penalty box, Maradona and English goalkeeper Peter Shilton both leapt for it. In mid-air, Maradona flicked the ball with his fist and it went into the goal. Two referees confirmed the goal despite its illegality, as they had no video playback technology at the time. In that same game, Maradona went on to score the goal of the century winning the game. Argentina's victory was a symbolic revenge for the Falklands War, which England had won against Argentina just four years earlier. And today, back in the day in 1922, the Portland waterfront strike ended. The industrial workers of the world, sometimes referred to as Wobblies, was an international labor union with a presence in Oregon as early as 1907. The local and federal government often treated the IWW as a criminal organization, seizing their meeting halls and breaking up meetings violently. By 1920, many Wobblies ended up joining unions like the International Longshoremen's Association. In 1922, the ILA's contract expired with employers of longshoremen making it difficult for union members to get hired. The ILA responded by closing down the Port of Portland. Strike breakers were brought in, often from rival unions, and thwarted the efforts of the strikers. This unsuccessful strike preempted a much larger strike all across the West Coast in 1934. Today, we'll start with your quick six news headlines. And we have an interview with Jonathan Moss, editor of Bike Portland. X-Ray. First up, it's time for today's Quick 6 Local Rundown. Early summer wildfires are already ravaging parts of South and Central Oregon. Yesterday, the National Weather Service issued a red flag warning across most of Lake and Klamath counties, as well as slivers of three other counties. According to the warning, fire-spreading weather is occurring or expected to occur soon, including thunderstorms and gusty winds over areas of dry climate. This warning began at 5 p.m. last night and ended at 3 a.m. this morning. This news comes as fire crews work to contain the cutoff fire north of Bonanza in Klamath County and the S-503 fire on the north end of the Warm Springs Reservation. The fires have burned 1,150 acres and 6,200 acres, respectively. Hundreds of households in both communities have already reached Level 2 Get Set and Level 3 Go Now evacuation advisory. While an excessive heat warning is in place for the southwest corner of the state, the air quality index from the Oregon Department of Environmental Quality indicated only minimal impacts to air quality from wildfires as of yesterday afternoon. And now your daily dose of data. Over the last week, an average of 17,100 doses of a COVID-19 vaccine were administered per day in Oregon. This is an 18% decrease in daily averages from the previous week. Since January, the state of Oregon has administered at least one dose of a COVID-19 vaccine to 2,436,329 Oregonians. 
This distribution covers 66.8% of residents 12 years of age and older, as well as 57.8% of the state's entire population. 2,176,923 Oregonians have been fully vaccinated. Oregon lawmakers decide against a 2021 stimulus check for state's essential workers. The state's Democrats announced yesterday that they won't fund any additional payments to Oregon workers during this session. Last week, 23 legislative Democrats signed House Bill 3409, which would have dedicated $450 billion in federal stimulus money to pay bonuses and back-to-work incentives for frontline workers. Workers would have received $2,000 each for working through the entire pandemic, or $1,200 if they returned to work during the pandemic after also receiving unemployment. As the regular legislative session ends this week, the sizable undertaking has now been deferred until next year. It is uncertain how much of the $2.6 billion Congress received from the federal stimulus package passed in March will still be available. Recently ousted Mike Nearman may be renominated for his former seat in the Oregon House of Representatives. Nearman became the first person to be expelled from the state legislative body in Oregon's history earlier this month, but his name will likely be on a list of candidates to fill his vacant seat in rural Polk County. On Friday evening, a group of Republican officials planned to meet at a Christian chapel in Dallas to whittle down a list of possible replacements. Nearman was expelled on June 10th for his actions during a protest outside the Oregon Capitol in Salem on December 21, 2020, when he opened a door to allow violent demonstrators inside the building. Nearman was later seen in a video posted to social media coaching people prior to the event and how to, on how to gain access to the building during what he called Operation Hall Pass. The subsequent vote to expel him from the House of Representatives was decided by a 59-to-1 margin, with Nearman being the only representative to vote against his expulsion. State Representative Marty Wild, a Democrat representing Eugene, introduced House Bill 3413 yesterday, which would ban any state lawmaker who's been expelled from being considered in the appointment process, but would not bar them from running from running for re-election. Under current legislation, the party must forward a list of three to five Republican names to a joint panel of county commissioners from the district. If Nearman's name is on that list, he would then have to convince county commissioners to select him over at least two other potential appointees. Portland Community College declines to require COVID-19 vaccinations for students heading into fall term. PCC announced yesterday that it will not ask students, faculty, or staff to prove their vaccination status as terms for admission or employment next school year. All seven of Oregon's public universities have announced vaccination proof requirements to study or work on campus during the 2021-22 school year. PCC is the largest post-secondary education institution in the state with over 60,000 full and part-time students enrolled. Officials said it was the decision of college president Mark Matsui based on a recommendation from the college's COVID-19 opening leadership team. The recommendation was based on surveys which pinpointed the vaccination rate of PCC student body at higher than 70 percent, 
as well as on efficacy efforts aimed against creating a barrier to college for people of color who may not have easy access to the vaccine. And good news. After over a year without concerts, the Waterfront Blues Festival takes place in person next month. This year's festival has been christened Upriver 2021 and will take place at Zydell Yards, upstream from the festival's usual setting on the downtown Portland waterfront. Format has also been slightly altered in order to minimize the risk of COVID-19 transmission. Rather than continuous music on several stages, each day will feature two shows with four hours of nonstop music. The two shows will take place from noon to four and from 6 to 10 p.m., with all featured bands performing sets at both. Tickets to the event will be sold in pods of two, four, and six. Pods will be spaced six feet apart, and face masks will be required for anyone outside of their pod. The festival will be headlined by Samantha Fish, Mark Broussard, Portland-based March 4th, and Ghost Note. It will take place on July 1st through the 5th. Limited tickets are available on the festival website. And that's today's Quick 6 Local Rundown. X-Ray. Up next, Bike Portland editor Jonathan Maas speaks about upcoming biking events in Portland this summer. Although we've already had a few bouts with heat this year, summer is officially beginning, and with COVID restrictions beginning to lift, it looks like we may be able to enjoy some of the incredible activities and resources our beautiful city has to offer in warmer weather. So if you're looking for tips, then you're in luck. Bike Portland's publisher and editor-in-chief, Jonathan Maas, is here to give us the latest scoop on upcoming bike events here in the Rose City. Thanks for joining us, Jonathan. Hey, good to be here. Thank you. Happy to hear from you. Yeah. After a long, long year, we're so happy to hear that Pedalpalooza is back. For those who might not have heard heard about this yearly tradition, what exactly is Pedalpalooza? Pedalpalooza is a really uh, amazing event that I don't think could or does happen anything like it anywhere in the world. So it goes all the way back to like 2002 when there was this thing called Bike Summer that was uh, started by someone in L.A. but sort of was traveling through different cities. Anyway, when it came to Portland, it was such a hit that folks around here decided they wanted to keep it going. So uh, starting in 2004, they started calling it Pedalpalooza, and it's been going strong ever since uh of course until last year when it basically went dormant and folks uh, didn't do much riding at all so this year we've seen just a huge sort of you know uh push you know just a clap back of excitement and people (laughs) are just coming out in big numbers the rides have been just really big basically what what it is is there's a community calendar so they're just a nonprofit that basically provides some support to make it happen but there's really no organizational leadership beyond just some general promotion so there's this community calendar that anybody can enter an event into uh, and so you just see everybody from the community in here doing all sorts of different kinds of rides basically if you if you love being a dj or if you love you know working on the radio you could do a, a radio themed ride there's lots of dance rides uh, dance and party rides uh, wow. they were up on uh, rocky butte last night on a big huge sunset disco party ride it rides oh, that people love the color yellow. There, everybody will dress up in yellow and go on a ride. So, <laughs> it's just everything you can think of. There are hundreds and hundreds of rides, um, half dozen at least every day, if not more. So, and it's all three months. Also, it's June, July, August this year. It's just an amazing outpouring of culture and, and excitement in Portland. 
That's incredible. Yeah. Uh, with three months of free rides and events, it may be hard to choose which ones <laughs> to join, right? So if yeah. you had to choose only one, which ride or event would it be? Oh, <laughs> too hard. That's a that's a tough question. There's really such a there's such a variety of things. I mean, I, I because it's sort of my job to to do all this stuff and keep track of everything. I I kind of uh, it's hard for me to pick. I kind of I, I like them all. Um, you know, the creative ones that really attract me. There was a there was one recently called the Get Lost Ride, where, where folks had a, a big a big play dice and they would just roll them, and if it was a, an odd number, they'd go left, like you know whatever wow. block came on the dice. And if it was an even number, they'd go right that number of blocks. So just really quirky stuff like that, I think, is always fun. Um, you know, the, there's every weekend there's a big uh, late night ride that goes, you know, into the morning and, and, and stuff like that. Um, you know, I'm getting to the point where I'm not I'm not as into those as I used to. Be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, some of the I like the more educational rides. There's uh, there there's a ride coming up that's, you know, for uh, uh, seeing back back alleyways and stuff in the inner city uh central city so you can see uh some some roads and little paths that you may never have explored before and that's one thing that's great about pedal blues is a lot of these rides help people get more acquainted with the city uh and learn about uh learn about things in the city i mean this saturday there's a rainbow ride uh that's going to be uh for for people that are gay and lgbtq community and mm-hmm. it's going to be led by led by folks and, and they're going to be talking about uh, things in the city uh, that have to do with you know gay culture and gay history in Portland. So there's just such a there's such a variety of things. It's it's really hard to choose. <laughs> That's dope. So let me ask you, what's the vibe during these rides? If you're not if you're not an uh, experienced biker like myself, is it still mm-hmm. safe to participate? Am I going to get bullied out here? People say, get out of the way. <laughs> Look at this. No, Look at the back not, this guy not at all. That's that's not the vibe at all. I mean, there's probably a percentage of of people listening that hear the word bike ride and like the only thing that comes to their mind is like spandex and people hunched over going real fast. <laughs> so this is like the opposite of that. Like this, these are basically you know no lycra rides. Although if people show up in tight tight bike clothes, that's fine too, right? But these this is just a chill thing. I mean, people are showing up with boom boxes and, and coolers full of drinks and, and snacks <laughs> that they're sharing at the ride. It's a really laid back vibe. Uh, it's specifically really inclusive. Uh, you know, the, the bike scene in Portland has not been always super inclusive, I think in years past. Um, but, uh, I think, I think more recently people definitely have more of a sensitivity around what it takes to be inclusive. Actually, some of the people who organized Pedal Palooza did a bunch of intentional work in the last year or so, uh, talking to people who usually don't feel as comfortable on these rides, uh, black people, people of color, uh, other folks, and asked them, hey, why, you know, what, what would make Pedal Palooza more appealing to you? And so they actually are, have inputted with when you enter a ride in the calendar, there are certain aspects of that, for instance, uh, that have reflected some of those conversations, like letting folks know where the ride's going to end, how mm-hmm. long it's going to be. Um, little things like that uh, so that, that folks uh, that might have been concerned about showing up at a random place or maybe mm. a part of town they didn't want to be in would know ahead of time, uh, you know, what to expect. So uh, they've gone to, to really great pains to make it inclusive and as fun for as many people as possible. That's great to hear. Um, in Portland, there's all you're, you're apt to see all kinds of bikes. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I remember a few summers ago, tall bikes being a really big deal here. Um, 
do you tend to see lots of stranger bikes at Pedalpalooza or is it just like you said, you know, people vibing, riding their bike, chilling? <laughs> well, those, still, those bikes still come out. I think that part of Portland bike culture has phased out a little bit. Mm. Uh, I think 10 years ago, you know, definitely the tall bike we had, we had like, I think there was like a half dozen tall bike gangs, literally, uh, <laughs> oh, you know, MG. basically these bike clubs. I mean, they had, they have biker vests and patches and, you know, recruit nights and all kinds of stuff. I mean, they were real bike club gangs. So, uh, <laughs> and they're great and there's still some of them around, but it's not quite as strong of a current as it used to be. Um, right these days you see more of like people decorating their bikes than I think you see the freak bikes, although it's always fun to see the crazy bikes that, that people dream up i mean uh the other night i saw somebody with i mean one of those cargo bikes with one of the front the front loading cargo bins which isn't weird you see those all the time in portland but he fashioned uh like a fire pit inside of it so he what? was rolling around with a with like a, <laughs> a gas fueled fire in front of his bike so you see all kinds of things Holy smokes. I, I'm, we're both just sitting here with our mouths open yeah <laughs> i'm sure imagining a fire pit just going down our street right that was a that was a that was a great reveal person there was a rave ride a couple nights ago i think last weekend actually this underground rave ride where they just went to different interesting places and and basically danced and did all kinds of fun stuff and there's a guy that showed up with like a dance floor on the front of one of those big bikes no yeah people where it's like a flat dance floor with like leds laid into the bottom that change color there's another guy who shows up on a skateboard and has a big disco ball like on a tripod with all kinds of crazy light things that are attached to it. So basically, what? anywhere the ride stops, you know, if it's night, uh, anywhere the ride stops, this guy just puts up a disco ball and just everybody, it's hard to not dance because all of a sudden you have disco ball lighting and yeah. the music with it. So yeah. know, that's, it's really fun. I'm loving all this creativity. <laughs> it, yeah. it, it had to feel weird last year without Palooza. Do you think that year of absence was felt by the biking community? Oh, abs- absolutely. For for a lot of people, this is this is such an important thing for them to get together, to socialize, to see their city. It's really how a lot of people relate uh, to to each other. There, there's entire friend groups built around Pedal Palooza, mm. uh, and you know people have been coming out for many years. Uh, it's really part of how they see themselves as a Portlander. Uh, and I think, you know, a lot of things in town were like that, where that was taken away last year. And I think that's why we're seeing such a huge, uh, you know, attendance at these rides. I mean, I've been really impressed. The spirit has, has been higher than I can ever recall in terms of you'll see a weekday ride, 4 p.m., 5 p.m., and there'll be several dozen people on it. And a lot of these people don't necessarily know each other. They're just showing up because it looked interesting. Right. You know? And, and that's, just, that's just amazing. I don't think people fully appreciate it. Mean, you could have a ride on any topic any random creative thing and because the promotion engine is so strong and just pedal blues has been around long enough where it's kind of like an institution in portland like people will show up it's it's pretty fun it's exciting amazing uh there's this weekend there's another biking event happening in town uh which is the black liberation ride uh taking place on juneteenth this is a newer addition to portland's summer lineup of biking right yeah, pretty new. It's gone on for, I think, three or four years now. But last year, during all the protests, the, the Black Liberation Ride hit really at, at just this am- amazing moment, right, that we were all feeling. 
uh, and, it, and it was just really, really big and uh, hundreds and hundreds of people. So, uh, yeah, this, I just talked to the organizer of it, Stephen Morea. I put up an interview on Bike Portland this morning with him about it. And we actually talked about the difference between last year and this year and, and how he's feeling in, in terms, terms of uh, putting the ride together. But, yeah, it's going to meet um, – I forget where the starting point is, but uh, it's, it's going to be this weekend. And it's really just a space – uh, on Saturday for black people and people of color. Mm-hmm. Uh, t- talk to Stephen about that specifically because in the past there, there were white people showing up to these rides just thinking, oh, I'm a, I'm an ally, it's all good. But, you know, that's not what this is about. He wants to create a space to celebrate black joy and for people to feel comfortable and welcome in a space where they usually don't. Uh, and, you know, like I was saying before about Palooza, and I was talking to Stephen about it, the organizer of the Black Liberation Ride, mm-hmm. he was saying he, he honestly doesn't feel like going to a lot of the pedal blues rides because he doesn't see a lot of people that look like him so mm. tomorrow's juneteenth ride is really going to be you know a special ride a special place and i could tell by uh some of the, the people on facebook they're getting real excited and uh let me just double check i think they're showing up at Laurelhurst park okay. at 5 p.m tomorrow so uh no i'm sorry on saturday obviously mm-hmm. juneteenth so <laughs> that's going to be that's going to be a great ride i'm gonna i'm trying to find someone to cover it for me because it's not something i'm going to show up to but uh, it's, it's, it's really amazing to see, uh, in Portland, uh, you know, people come, black people come together and ride, ride bikes. Uh, unfortunately it doesn't happen as much as, you know, as much yeah. as I would, I would hope it does. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned that, uh, in your conversation with Steven, that you guys discussed some of the differences between last year and this year. Could yeah. you elaborate on, on, on that? Yeah. He, I mean, I could tell he was a little bit, uh, you know, crestfallen that, mm. I mean, last year they had, I think he said 700 RSVPs on Facebook. Wow. Uh, and I mean, you can imagine when it, when it, when it hit, right? I mean, right. middle of June, everything that was going on with the protests, it was really a moment. Uh, and in previous years, there were maybe 30, 40 people that would show up. Um, and this year he said it, and it kind of, when he said it, I was kind of, he said, yeah, it feels kind of like things are back to normal, which meant mm. back to before he said, yeah, it's out of the news cycle. And he thinks people might just their energy just might be in other places. So um, he's definitely not sad about that in in, in some ways. I think, you know, he's building something. And this is a guy who, Stephen, he really is putting some effort. He's got a whole new ride series he's doing called the the BIPOC Beginner Ride Series. That's meeting uh, on Saturdays, Uh, the 3B series on Instagram. Folks want to look that up. But he's trying to do more of this, create create spaces where black people can feel like they can go have fun on bikes because they love to ride bikes, too. But not always uh, feeling as comfortable in some of the spaces where it's mostly white people. So, um, yeah, he, he's really positive about doing the ride, but I think he's, he's sort of coming to grips with like, yeah, things are just different than, yeah. than last year. And it's kind of like, how do you, how do you build that enthusiasm and make it a lasting thing? Yeah. Yeah. Before we let you go, uh, can you tell our listeners where they can find more information about the black liberation ride and just Petapalooza events? Yeah, actually, all this stuff is on, uh, we put it up on the Bike Portland event calendar, which is easy to find from Bike Portland, but all the hundreds and hundreds of rides from Petalpalooza, including the Black Liberation Ride and all the details are at the shifttobikes.org calendar. So people can also go to petalpalooza.org to find the calendar. So if folks just punch in Petalpalooza calendar uh, on Google, they're going to they're gonna get to the right spot. And you definitely do need to look at the calendar because there are, so many rides going on you have to pick and choose and uh it, it, it can be overwhelming but if you find your spot you can really have a really memorable time amazing uh for anyone just tuning in that was jonathan maws he's the editor and publisher of bike portland be sure to catch jonathan on x-ray every month 
for the latest in Rose City biking news. As always, it's been a pleasure to chat with you this morning, Jonathan. Thank you so much. Thank you too. Thanks to Jonathan for joining The Local, and thank you for listening to The Local, your hometown in just about 30 minutes. And thank you, Democracy. We'll talk to you tomorrow. X-Ray.